Seder, where are we? We're Parshas Truma. Okay, chapter and verse. Somebody give it to me. I didn't find it yet. Um, chapter 25. Okay, chapter 25, verse 1. It doesn't always, so that's why it's it's nice when a Parsha starts with uh, with, uh, with the, the beginning of a chapter. So it's chapter 25, verse 1. Okay, here's the situation. We are pivoting. We've been exodusing till now. Then we had Revelation. And then we got a bunch of laws. And now we're going to have a ton of ink talking about building a home for God. Okay, we're going to have Teruma Tetzave, Vayako Pekude. We have four Parshias that basically say the exact same thing twice. In the middle, spoiler, we're going to have the story of the golden calf. But from here until the end of the Chumash, no, the end of this Chumash, not the end of the whole Chumash, until the end of the book of Exodus, we're really dealing with building a home for God. And one of the things that we know about, about Torah is that it really doesn't like waste space and, and just randomly repeat things. So we have to look into the fact of why do we have creation of the world in one chapter, we have Revelation at Sinai in three chapters, we have Exodus from Egypt in 11 chapters, and building a home for God, 13. 13 chapters that are almost identical. They're almost identical. So the first thing that we're going to start to do, we're, the, for me, it's very, I'm very excited because I'm not rushed to finish anything because we're going to have this conversation over and over and over again. Um, versions of, obviously... Um, but the first thing that we really want to ask ourselves is, like, what's going on? What's going on over here? We know how many mitzvahs that we have are, like, they're not even written out. They're just sort of, like, hinted to, or there's, like, a juxtaposition, and we have mitzvahs, like, the mishkan. And remember, how long does the mishkan last? This is the, this is the, this is the tabernacle, not the temple. It's the mishkan, not the mikdash. Anybody know? Random guess. How long does the Mishkan last? How long does the Mishkan last? Until we go into Israel. No, 400 years. Ish, 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 so ish. So basically what's going to happen, Emma's right. Basically what's going to happen is that we're going to be in the desert, which they don't know yet. They don't know yet, but they're going to be in the desert for 40 years. So they're going to have the Mishkan with them for those 40 years. They're going to go into the land of Israel. It's going to take almost 400 years until we build the temple. And in that time the Mishkan is going to be used in various forms um, till, as a place of worship, not exclusive. Meaning once the, once the temple, once the base on Mikdash is built, that is the exclusive place to serve Hashem. The whole time that we have the Mishkan, 392 years I think it is, um, uh, you could also offer sacrifices outside of the, wherever the Mishkan was. Most notably, where, was it, where did the Mishkan spend the most time? Shiloh. In Shiloh, exactly. It was there for over 300 years, or just under 300 years. It was there for an extremely long time. Um, and then it was in No for a little bit, and it was here for a little bit. Like, the first 14 years was traveling around. Once it gets to Shiloh, the Mishkan changes form a little bit. They start to make walls of stone and everything. So the Mishkan, as it is described in the Chumash does not have a very long life. Like, in the span of Jewish history, for sure. You know, how long was this Mishkan, you know? And yet the Torah devotes so much ink to it. Now we know that the Mikdash, the temple, is going to be modeled off of this, but this is our traveling pup tent uh, uh, home for God. Um, we're going to look at it. We're going to look at it today, and we see it's not actually so small. In case you thought, like you know, we went on a camping trip and we had one of those, those mm-hmm. tents that you like, you sort of pull a thing, and they all the whole tent is standing. Mm-hmm. No, this is not what we're talking about over here. It's bigger than that. Um, but I think the first question that we wanna we wanna think about a little bit is why. What's this whole conversation? Now, we have the advantage. We've been sitting in Hasidic classes for a while. So if I tell you that we're going to build a home for God, what does that automatically in your head translate to? Within ourselves. That's differently in ourselves, but more. Hmm? Serve Hashem. Serve Hashem. Bring down, like, bring this down world in place. Yeah. Home for yeah. Ding, 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 ding. Dear B'tachtonim, making this world a home for Hashem. Like we've, 
we have this conversation. Why are we doing any of the mitzvahs? What are we doing here? What's the purpose? Blah, 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 right? It's not whoever dies with the most toys wins. It's really like, how do we make this place a home for Hashem? And that's really what we're going to be discussing over a little bit over this week and over the next couple of weeks. What does a home for Hashem look like? And we're going we're gonna to zoom in to zoom out and then to zoom back in again. Meaning, we're going to look at the Mishkan, we're going to see what happened over there, and then we're going to say, we're going to translate it into ourselves and into the world at large, and then that's sort of, that's sort of the, the, where we're going to be headed with this. Yeah, be headed with this, not beheaded. Okay. <laughs> I heard myself say it like, no, 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 that's not what I wanted to say. Okay. Vesader. So let's, um, just for a second, I want, and I want to, I want to uh, tag this together. How did last week's Parsha end? The end of Mishpatim. We didn't really talk about it so much in class because we were dealing with, with laws, but what did we talk about? What's the end of Mishpatim? The end of last week's Parsha? Moshe going up for 40 days and 40 nights. We're, we're, we're at the end of Mishpatim, we have this hyperlink, so to speak, back to Revelation. Mm-hmm. Right? We have this, we have our, the Nas of Anishma that we all know. What Hashem said, what did Hashem said, do you want my Torah? And we all said, Nas of Anishma. That was the end of last week's Parsha. It wasn't actually in Yisro when we have the whole story of Revelation. It's in last week's Parsha when it's sort of recapping it and going back to it. Right? So then what happens today in our Parsha? So Hashem says to Moshe, and he says, Dabra Ben I'll speak to the Jewish people. The Yikhuli Truma, and take from me a Truma, an offering. Me'ez kol ish asheid venolibai for every generous part, every generous person. Tikhuas truma, so you should take my offering. And this is the truma that you should take from them. You should take Shana Reed. What should we take? What, what does God want? Do it in English, it's fine. Go, so from verse 3. In English, go. Um, what do we? What does he want? Take. Take the um, the following materials. Uh, constitute the contribution that you must take from them: gold, silver, and copper, of which they have plenty from the spoils. Sorry, I've got also. Oh, you guys, yeah, don't 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 read your internal commentaries. Just yeah. give me. We're gonna ca- get a count of fifteen items that Hashem wants. He wants gold. He wants silver. He wants copper. Mm-hmm. Keep going. Um, he wants. Uh, Turquoise, purple, and scarlet linen um, from goats. He wants uh, red dyed ram skins, skins of um, the tachash. Right. Um, acacia wood. Acacia wood. Acacia wood. Um, oil for illumination, spices for the anointing oil, and for the incense offering. Incense offering. Uh-huh. Um, the onyx stones and incense, inset stones for the ephod and the breastplate. Um, they must make me sanctuary from um, these materials so that I may dwell amongst them. Okay, so Hashem gives us a whole long list of things that He wants to uh, for, He wants us to donate so that He can make a home for us. One of the things that they talk about a lot, and it's interesting, somebody was quoting like a financial analyst, that if you want to know what a person is like, see where they spend their money. So Hashem says, Hashem says, oh, you want to have a relationship with me? Nasa Vanishma, anything? You'll do anything? Anything for me? Okay. Show me the money. You know, can you, can you, uh, can you, can you contribute to this cause? And what's very interesting, you'll notice over here, Hashem doesn't say what he's, what, what we need this for. Hashem is saying, we need all these donations. And then afterwards it says, and then make a home for me, right? Which seems to be a little bit backwards. And in a way, a lot of the, like the more modern Mepharshim are talking about the idea that Hashem is saying like, are you interested in the plan or are you interested in me? Meaning. Um, there are some people, uh, you know, I'm married to a fundraiser, so I, I'm, I'm familiar with this. There are some people who, like, are enamored of your project, and therefore they will help support it. And there are some people that are enamored of you. Mm-hmm. And whatever you ask for, they're in. Mm-hmm. More or less, whatever. And Hashem really is saying to the Jewish people, Nasa you'll follow me to the ends of the, wor- to the, ends of the earth? Like, really? 
would you join my project? Would you join this thing? And the people immediately, we're going to talk, here's a spoiler, the people are going to absolutely come with the most incredible generosity, not because Hashem says, I want to make a place where we can interface, right? At the end of the day, what's the Mishkan going to be? The Mishkan, the tabernacle is going to be a home for Hashem where, so to speak, heaven and earth are going to meet and are going to kiss and we're going to be able to, we're going to be able to interface with Hashem in a way that's very tangible to us. Right? Because we know Hashem is all over the place. Hashem doesn't need a house. He li- the, whole ha- the whole world is his, right? So what's, what's going on over here? But ha- so meaning, if Hashem said, let's make this cool place where we can hang out together and we'll like, you know, we'll have a coffee lounge and we'll have a, you know, like a, a ping pong table and like we'll just sort of hang out together and we're like, oh my gosh, this is such an awesome idea. Like, yeah, I'm in. Or does Hashem's like... Want to be my partner? And we're like, oh yeah, we're in. Um, and really that's a, a little, a, a lid and a lot. That's what's going on over here of, of, uh, of what we're, you know, what Hashem's asking us. Hashem's saying, can you join me in this endeavor? Whatever this endeavor happens to look like, can you join me? Which is something we actually just said to him. We just said, not submission, we just said, we're with you, whatever you want, whatever you say, whatever you want us to do, we're going to do. So the Hashem's saying, okay, the first thing that we're going to do is we're going to, we're gonna have. We're gonna have to make. Let's make a plan. How do? How do we? And a lot of them, of course, talk about this idea that what is actually gonna happen in the Mishkan? What's gonna happen in this? In this? In this home for Hashem? We're gonna have. We're gonna have sacrifices. We're meaning. Let's back up a second. You know, we all. You know, if we we've all been if if we've been to a Gan Yisrael, we know Hashem is here. Hashem is there. Hashem is truly everywhere. Right? Hashem's all over the place. Why does Hashem need one little space to be his space? Oh, we talked about this a little bit with Esther Shemka. We were saying how, like, if God, I can't remember which one we were talking about, but if, if God is everywhere, then why do we face east? Like, you know, okay. And well, why are we like, facing east, by the way? Right, because to the, to the base of Mikdash. Because that's where the base of Mikdash was, right, yeah. Right, but then, like, why? Like, like if Hashem is everywhere, then... Um, and we were saying that... If you don't remember well, the answer, then it's not so helpful. He only gave us a good question. No, no, no. <laughs> that he's not limited to, be, to being in one spot. Like, he's, like, he's above that, like, completely. But sometimes we need, like, the... Little, the focus. Yeah. She was also saying... Nice. Was he's saying, not Emma, limited let's say, let's say, to... Emma had something to add. Yeah, it was also, if I remember correctly, they said something about that, the golden calf. When they sinned with the golden calf, they, they were, like, they need... The motion said... Well, apparently you need something physical to and something very concrete to look at to and make right. So we're we're scans. so we're going to leave the golden calf out of this right now, okay? Because we didn't we haven't even gotten to the golden calf yet in the chumash. It's not going to happen for another three parshas. And the, the place of the golden calf and the mishkan as they interface is going to be a whole conversation oh. that maybe it, it, it's part of the conversation, but it isn't the whole conversation. So the bigger question that I want to start with. Sort of like what Ori is, you know, like the question of why does Hashem need a home if he already lives in the whole world? Mm-hmm. You had a comment? Yeah, so just the same way, like we were talking about with Hashem to have that Hashem's not limited to being in one spot. He's also not limited to being everywhere. So we can face the best of the dust when we dive in or have the Mishkan. Right. So one of the things... In a way, it's not satisfying to me. So, so I'm thinking about it. No, listen. In general, questions and answers overlay each other and sometimes... Something works right now and doesn't work later, and sometimes something works, you know, whatever. I want, I want to give a thought. I want to give a thought um, based on Hasidus. Right? Hashem is... Hashem could be... He, Hashem is everywhere, right? Hashem is everywhere. But when we talk about dear B'tachtona, making a home for Hashem, what's the difference between being everywhere and being home? You're more comfortable at home. You're more comfortable. Yeah. You're more comfortable at home, right? In, in, in a healthy home situation, you could wear something that you would never be caught dead out of the house with, right? You could eat weird combinations of food. You could, like, walk around in the ratty slippers that you should have gotten rid of five years ago, right? What does that show? This, the home tells us that this is a place that I am totally embraced. And I am not just comfortable, but I am, I'm, I, I'm supported here in a way 
I don't have to put on a show. I don't have to have my makeup perfectly done. I don't have to be wearing like my fancy walk out of the house clothes. I could just be myself. And Hashem said, I want a place that I could be myself. He has angels. He has worlds. There's all these places that Hashem could be on show. And the question that he wants us to be a partner with him is to make a place that Hashem is comfortable in. That Hashem really feels at home. So the, we're going to have to look at the Mishkan and say, what about this is so comfortable for Hashem that he could, be, he could really be himself? Be really at home, not just, not, just, not just someplace that he has to you know, put on your best face and da-da-da-da-da-da, but really the Mishkan is going to be a home for Hashem. Now, one of the things that always is so interesting to me, we're going to, get back to, we're going to come back to this for a second, but I want to jump a second because it's going to be very pertinent to our conversation. But if you take a look in Pasuk Ches in verse 8, it says, And as Shane said, make me home and I'm going to dwell amongst them. Right? And Rashi says, Rashi says, Make for me, for my name, a holy space. Now, the, the Mepharshim jumped back and forth, and I only know it because, not because my Hebrew is so good, but because the Mepharshim talk about it all the time. Right? Is singular form, and then I'm going to dwell amongst them in, in plural form. Um, and they were like, why is this change in plural, from singular to plural? So Rashi isn't so, so bothered by that. He just says, make something, a holy space for me to be. And there's something that we talk about in Hasidus all the time, and I'm always shocked that it's not in Rashi, right? And, 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 we, and, and it's actually from the Shalah HaKadosh that he says, When it says, live, um, that I will, dwell, I will dwell amongst you in the plural, it's actually from the Shalah, it's not from Rashi that says that I will dwell amongst each and every one of you. So when we look at the Mishkan, and we're going to spend some time looking at the Mishkan and the elements and all the stuff and the vessels and everything, it has to translate back into us. It has to translate into me, into not just my life, but in me, my person. How does all of this reflect in my person and how am I going to do the best that I can within myself to make a home for Hashem? Okay, so that's... That's one thing that I wanted to talk about. And it's always, I'm telling you, it really always flips me out that it's not in Rashi. Like it's, it's so like part of the bread and butter of how we've like been learning Tyra. And it's like, oh yeah, no, that's not Rashi. That's from the Shalom Kaddish. Okay. Um, so we have over here uh, lots of items. What do we need to bring? Let's start with gold, silver, copper. Gold, silver, copper. Um, um, and everybody, oh, I'm going to back up for one second first. Um, first of all, if you notice in the first few verses, it uses the word truma multiple times. And Rashi brings in other Mepharshim as well, that really there are three different donations that are going to be demanded or asked of the Jewish people. Okay? One donation is going to be a half shekel, one time uh, donation that would end up being used for the sockets of the, of the Mishkan. We'll, we'll talk about it in a second, but the Mishkan is a portable structure, so the foundations have to be portable as well. You're not going to sit there and dig deep in everything. So there's a one-time donation where everybody has to give a half a shekel, and it was used specifically for the foundations of the Mishkan. The second thing, the second donation that people are asked to give is a yearly half-shekel contribution that was given to pay for all the sacrifices, the communal sacrifices, and all the money just got like put into one box and so it wasn't like my coin or here everybody's money gets put together and the third was to build the house of god and that was whatever you want and whatever you're interested in bringing uh bring whatever you want um so so that's that's one thing and i i think it's very important for us to think about um in terms of the things that we do the same versus the things that we do as individuals and, and here Tyra is acknowledging that there's space and need for both of those things. There's the things that we all do the same. Everybody had to give the half shekel. Everybody had to give a second time the half shekel, right? That's the same. Everybody has to do that. But then the question is like, what is my part in Torah? And that's where we talk about the different elements and the different things that you need to bring. Um, that becomes, uh, you know, remember... The Jews all left Egypt very, very, very wealthy. They all had a lot of everything. 
and yet each one chooses to give something. Everyone is, ta- is choosing to give something to, to the house of God. And it isn't, you know, if we believe in Ashkacha practice, it isn't just random happenstance, oh, I'm going to give this and I'm going to give that. But there is something, and I, and I just want to reflect it back to us, there's something that is uniquely me that I need to bring to God. It's not enough. I mean, mitzvahs are great, and mitzvahs will take up all your time. We know that, right? But, but what is the flavor? Is my flavor the scarlet? Is it the purple? Is it the gold threads? Is it the silver? All of those things, where am I bringing my own contribution, even in the spaces that we look at things and it looks like we're all doing the same thing? And, and I want to I wanna make a plug for, for, you know, we all know what it is that we do really well. We all know what it is that, that we shine when we talk about this or we're so excited about this idea or this thought. Okay, how am I bringing that to Hashem? How am I incorporating that in my home for Hashem? Because if it's not part of my home, well, where's that passion going? Where's that talent going? It's not going no place. So how do I bring it into my home for Hashem? And that's one of the things that we're going to talk about, um, all the different, different items that are going on over here. Okay. Okay. Um, um, okay. What does it mean that when it, when Rashi says that there were 13 items? Well, there's 15. Oh, what does it say? It says here that uh, for the priestly garments, oh, we're making... So the, so the garment, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so the garments have different... The garments we're going to have next week. Oh. This week, we're not going to get to the garments. Has anybody had a chance to look at the parsha? No. Okay, so I'm going to, I want to say one thing. And then I'm gonna, and then we're gonna go look at the rest of the parsha because we could spend a lot of time only on these first few verses. But I wanted to move forward. I want to just say one thing. The first three metals that are off that we need to bring are go, are gold, silver, and copper. Right? Wouldn't you think that if we're building a home for God, we need Well, we're gonna need wood. We're gonna need wood. But besides that, we want just want gold. Well, shouldn't everything just be gold? Like, who wants copper in the house of God? It's like silver. Like, yeah, what do you need? You know, like, okay, silver. You know, you know, we, we can talk about this, right? But, but why do we need all these elements? We're making a home for... In fact, in fact, the Gemara tells us that when they used to slaughter an animal for a sacrifice in the base of Mikdash, uh, they used to give the animal water to drink before they did the slaughtering. If, if, if you're squeamish, cover your ears about now. Um, because uh, if the animal drank water before, it made skinning the animal easier. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm not enough of a of an animal vet person. It's actually true. I, I would imagine that. I would imagine that it's true. But I'm just saying, like, farmer. huh? Farmer. Okay, fine. So I mean, I know, it's true. I know it's true. I know it's true because I saw it in Tyra. But I, I appreciate that it's actually true, right? Because there's some things you're like. Know if this how this works out, you know, practically speaking, but yeah, okay. So, if you give the animal water to drink before you slaughter it, it's easier to skin the animal. The Gemara tells us that the water was offered in golden bowls. Okay. Now, that's not part of any service, that's not the knives, that's not the ramps, that's not that's nothing. That's like the prep to the prep of the mitzvah, and there it was all it was gold. So, you're like, so then what who needs gold and who needs copper in the house of God? Like, what is that for? But if I'm going to tell you that everything relates to us, now what does that mean? Now what does gold, silver, and copper relate to? The different types of Jews. Yeah. Different types of Jews. The different not types of Jews. Not only the highest Jews welcome the Mishkan. What? Like, like not only the highest exactly. Jews. Exactly. Not only the Tzadikim are welcome in the, in the, in the Mishkan. And parenthetically, which is very, was super interesting to me, gold is not the Tzadikim. It's either the Bainan or the Bali Chuva. Right? Yeah. Right? Silver, silver is a tzaddikim. Silver is it, it comes from nichsof nichsafi, to yearn for Hashem. Mm. It also is very shiny. That's back to the conversation about who, why do we like shiny objects. But nechoshes, nechoshes is copper. <laughs> copper is like those, copper is like, huh? You, can't, you didn't even let go of your issues. Like, it's not like we're trying or we've aced it. Like the nechoshes people, they like, they're deep in there. They maybe would like to change, but they, they haven't even, and Hashem's like, we need everybody. Exactly like, like Sydney said, it's not just the home for God is only for the perfect people. And I want to remind, I, I think I say this on a regular basis, but I think it, bear, it bears repeating. I heard from Rabbi Manus Friedman a gazillion years ago 
that um, when we talk about, you know, a tzaddik, a rush, and a benini, it's not different people. It's all us. There's all parts of us. I'm not talking about Tanya, you know, Tanya definitions, but within our lives, we have certain things that we're tzaddik. God always wins. And then we have Russia things where we're like, that's, that, that's going to go on a list at some point. It's not there yet. And then we have the Benini where we, sometimes, we, you know, it's, it, it's a struggle. All of us, we have it with the mitzvahs that we do, the way we do things, how we do things, all of those things. When we talk about making a home for God, we have to remember for ourselves, we don't have to be perfect all the time and everything. We have to be, we even, I don't want to say we should deliberately hold on to things so we get to be Russia. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but I think the nature of humanity is that there's always going to be something in there that we're just not doing well, right? But I think, like, we have to remember we need to bring all of those parts into our home oh. for God. Not just the stuff like, I'm acing this. This is, like, phenomenal. Good, God, you can have it. Well, what about the stuff that we struggle with? And if you've been following Tanya for the last bunch of days talks all about the struggle, all about the struggle and the value of the struggle and how we shouldn't kid ourselves to say that we shouldn't be struggling. Like it's all, it's all really coming together. And I feel like, yeah, it's, it's, it's all of the parts are important. And for us to say, Oh, that's not valuable enough or that's not good enough to come into my relationship with Hashem or I'm going to just pretend, I'm going to just like, you know, like sometimes you have an issue and you just sort of like paper over it and now there's a pretty wall here and nobody knows that there's like stuff behind that has to be dealt with. Okay, this is our life. Mm-hmm. These are our people. This is, this, is, this is us. We need to really uh, be working on all of those things. So that's one thing that I just wanted to, to highlight. Okay. Now, what's the first item? Okay, I, I'll tell you what we're doing for time. But I want to, uh, before we go into each item specifically... We'll work on it together. I want to talk about the Mishkan for a second, okay? First of all, oh, this is a terrible marker. You need to move the brown one. Brown. I'll brown. take the brown. Thank you. Okay. Like, if everybody needs to see this, okay? Here, not to scale, okay? The Mishkan was a, a, a west-east. It didn't go north-south. It went west-east, Okay? This, this whole, okay, it's actually made up of three different spaces. Ooh, here's the marker that's working nicely. Oh, I'm going to ask you. Huh? <laughs> the last working marker. The last working marker. Can we please throw them out as they are no good? Yeah. That would be very helpful. Okay. There's a picture. Huh? Yeah, there's a picture in here. Nice picture. Good. No, there's all, they're all in the picture. I just want it for a second. I'm not... This is not to scale, and yes, I failed art, so, and or drawing specifically, whatever. Okay. This whole complex is called, this whole complex is called the Mishkan, okay? This area over here is called the Chatzer, which is the courtyard. Chatzer, which is the courtyard, okay? And in the courtyard, what do we have, Shayna? Well, we have a mezbeah. We have a mezbeah. We have an altar over here. Mm-hmm. This is the copper altar. And what did we do on it? This is where we brought sacrifices. Okay, this is for animal sacrifices. Also in the courtyard was, and if you tell me it looks like a spider, I will cry. Here's the washing station. Here's the washing station, okay? Here's the kior. It's the washing station, okay? Okay, now, this box here, this box here is called the Ohel Moe. This is a tent. This part is a tent of meeting. Okay? Mm-hmm. This is the Ohel Moe. Um, and it's made up of two parts. This is called the Kodesh. This is the Kodesh. And this is called the Kodesh Kodashim. Okay. What was in the Kodesh? What was in the Holy? We had. On the top, in the north, we had the Shulchan, which we're going to discuss. On the west, we had, thank you for getting my pictures, the menorah. (laughs) And over here, we had the golden altar that was used for incense. Okay? So the Mizbech outside was for animals. This Mizbech is for animals, animal sacrifice. This is for incense. What's What's in the Holy of Holies? Only the Ark. 
Okay, only the arc is in here. On top of the arc, we have the Kruven, right? Doesn't look like it. Doesn't look like cords. It looks like cherubs, right? It looks like cherubs. Okay. Now, in the Mishkan, in our little our our puck tent uh, travel size thing, the Ohamoid is thirty amos by ten amos. Now that doesn't help you because you don't know how much an amma is. How much is an amma? Anything, right? Exactly. The real post. It's it's a. The, uh, the halachic definition of an amma is a male arm from elbow to wrist. <laughs> but what, what does that look like? It could be anything between 18 and 21 inches. Are most, most of the opinions go in that line. So the holy of holies... This is small. One inch. Really, it's not, not an inch. Did I say no, an inch? No, no, she's just wondering what an inch is. I guess I have no idea. She's not sure. Right. So, right. Um, so, for example, so, for example... So, so for example, so for example, this is it's like almost fifty feet. It's almost fifty feet. This is almost fifty feet uh, long. It's thirty. This is a foot. Okay, it's twelve inches. Thirty. It's thirty. Somebody else is Thirty arms times twenty. Let's say twenty-one inches would make it. Sixty-three. What? 630. <laughs> yeah. 630 yeah. inches. Yeah, I'm zero. 630 inches divided by 12. Come on, somebody has a calculator. Here. 630 inches divided by 12. It's like 90 something. No, it's going to be about, no, it's going to be about 49 feet. I know that, but no, it's going to be 49 feet, but 49 feet to meters. That's the question. 49 feet to meters. Um, it's about a third. You can do the point nine hundred fourteen meters. Okay, the 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 length. Is it only fourteen meters? The olmoid. No, this the olmoid. It is ten. It is ten almost over here. So that's going to be whatever we said. I don't know. Ten. Two hundred ten. Two hundred ten. Seventy meters? No. No, two hundred ten inches. I don't know. I should. I should. It's bigger than this room. It's not so small. <laughs> and this whole thing, and this whole thing is a hundred amas. Okay, so a hundred amas, if we're saying that 30 amas is about, it's probably close to 30 feet, uh, 30 meters. This room is probably like 25 this, feet. This, right? If we said that 30 amas ended up being 49 feet, which is about uh, 30 meters, so then this is going to be the same thing. It's about a hundred meters. Okay, we're coming from Super Bowl Sunday. It's about the size of a football field. Half a half a football field, half a football field. Okay, Thank it's you. big. That's crazy. That's huge. A football field is five hundred meters. Huge. So this is Whoa. so a football field is five hundred meters, and this we're saying is about a hundred meters. So it's a uh, uh, more than a quarter. It's whatever a, a fifth, fifth. <laughs> whatever something like. <laughs> that's not my strong point. Forgive me. But when you think it's a traveling so sanctuary, you think really it's a little thing. Huge. It's actually big. Yeah, like they're yeah. carrying a lot. It's actually big. Okay, it's actually very big. It's not this little throw it in the pickup truck and let's go. It's a big thing. Okay, it's going to take. They're going to, and we're, we're going to talk about it in, in different parshias, um, more in the next chumash, not in this chumash, about how do they transport it and how they carried it. Um, it was massive. I'll, I'll stop you for a second, okay? The Mishkan, the, sorry, the Olamoid part, was made of boards, okay? It was made of acacia wood. In Hebrew, it's called atzei shitim, which we'll get to in a second. They were 10 amas high. And they were an amma and a half wide. If you, if you, if you put that into pounds and ounces, it's like a thousand pounds each board. They were very big and very heavy. So it's not like, oh, this little tiny traveling sanctuary. Now, the base on Mikdash that King Solomon is going to build is going to be three times bigger than this. It's much bigger than this. But I'm just, I just want for a second to understand that this is not a little tiny structure, meaning it is, but it's not. Now, what's interesting is that as big as this structure ends up being, how do we make a space for God? 
that's only a hundred hours long. And it's only, you know, the Holy of Holies is only 10 hours long. Like, how do you even do such a thing? How do we make a space that Hashem is, like, you know? So all the things we talked about in the meeting, Hashem isn't only limited to this space, but we're creating a place of connection where within this space, we can actually really have a relationship with Hashem that we could feel and we could see and we can experience. Back to our Mishkan for a second. Uh, the outside, just just for just to see what's going on over here. Wherever I made um, those, those, those are curtains. The, the broken lines are curtains. They're actually broken lines all of the way here. This whole thing was pillars and curtains. Um, the Jewish people could come to about here in the Mishkan. This is actually not, this is not to scale. Um, only Kohanim could come around the, the altar and the Kiyar. And uh, so that means there was a place before that that the Kohanim and Yisraelim, plain Jane Jews, and the people who worked in the house of God would meet and do handover of sacrifices. <clears throat> that was going on over here. Here's where that other stuff was going on. In the holy, in the holy, it was not free entry to anybody. It was like, you know, restricted area. You will die. Yes and no. <laughs> oh, no, 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 I want to say something. First of all, you will die any place, a, a Kohen who comes any place in the Mishkan unauthorized, you're going to die. Okay? But, um, but the, here, there's, mo- there's a lot more activity going on over here. <laughs> There's a lot more, one second, there's a lot more activity going on and there's a lot of Kohanim, well, there weren't so many Kohanim in the, in the desert, let's be honest, right? How many Kohanim were there in the desert? Aaron and his sons and his grandchildren, like there weren't, there weren't a massive, there were more Levites than there were Kohanim. But this is where the Kohanim could end up being and they could, now, once, if you were, if you had business in the holy, you could go there and people went there daily. Twice a day, they burnt the incense, Twice a day, they were dealing with the menorah. In the morning, they were preparing it, and towards evening, they were lighting it. And once a week, they were dealing with the with the with the bread, with the showbread that they would bake it and all that stuff. This was restricted access, but not like the holy of holies. That's a different conversation. That's only the high priest, only on Yom Kippur, only as part of the service, only as right part of the now, service. Just our. So right now, well, there's only ever one whole high priest. But I'm saying... There's like, actually the high priest and an understudy, by the like, way. Like, there was no one before, like... There was no Mishkan. Point, right, there was no Mishkan before. At this point, it's just, like, they don't... I don't know. Well, <laughs> what's, the, what's the question? Yes. No, it's not a question. It's just, like, crazy that, like, at this point, it's not even just, like, the coming down. Okay. It's just our... When know? the Mishkan is going to get set up, here's, here's how crazy it is, okay? We know that Aaron has four sons. Nadav Aviyu, Elazar, and Tamar. Okay? The day the temple, the day the tabernacle is set up, two of them die. So the kohuna, the, the idea of being a priest in Hashem's house, was given to Aaron, his children, and anybody born into the family afterwards. So when, the, when, the, when on opening day, we literally have one high priest and two kohanim. And the rest of the family are Levites. And so they get to switch off. And they're going to carry. And they're going to do. It took 5,000 Levites to transport the Mishkan from place to place. Like, it's, 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 a, big, it's, a, big, it's a big deal, right? But, that, but at the beginning, once the Mishkan, when the Mishkan starts, there aren't hundreds of Kohanim. What's going to happen later on in history is that we're going to have families of Kohanim. They're going to have Mishmarot. They're going to have a schedule. When do they come to serve in the temple? And when can they be there? And da-da-da-da-da. But right now, in the beginning, there's... there's Three. There's Aaron and his two sons because two of them were killed. Like, two of them died right away. Even also, wasn't that at this point, because I know you said there's a whole complication with the Egalazav and the building of the Mishkan. Like, at this point, the Levium, it was all like the heads of each of each tribe's so, family. So, okay. So what's going to happen before, it, 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 it's going to keep changing. And you're, I think your question is, 
who gets to be that, who gets to work in the house of God. Mm-hmm. And the original plan was for the uh, the eldest male of each family yeah. to be like their family representative, sort of like other religions still have that that mentality. Um, but that they lost that privilege by the golden calf. Mm-hmm. Correct, and that's when the Levites get over get that get that responsibility. Question or comment? Mm-hmm. Do you think we can like make a classic to Timna Park because I think they have like a. Did not hear a word you just said. To Timna Park because they have a real life model of the Michigan there, breaking right. in Timna Park. It's. Crazy. They have. They have. They have. Oh, in, f- in a few different places they have in the Israel Museum they have and they have in the old city. Mahon Mikdash has. They're working. They're actively working to create vessels that can be used in the temple again. Um, so there's there's lots of options for that. I have a. Um... I downloaded an immersive 3D thing, so it's a whole, you can go through the whole... That's the base of Mikdash. Yes. That's the base of, that's not the Mishkan. But you can go into the Mishkan, you can go everywhere. So I'll share this with anyone who wants, but it's a whole 3D, you can walk through it. So it's not the Mishkan, it's the base of Mikdash. But it also takes you into the Mishkan as well. Really? Yeah. Cool. So I'll share it with everyone. That's 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 pretty cool. So so here, th- this is the first thing that I want to talk about that we have the situation. Our parsha, our parsha is going to, it's okay. Our actually, I'm not here. I want to do something else. I've been very bothered over the last few days by something, and there's a repetition in Rashi that I want to share with you. The first thing, the first time it comes up, it's not, it's not so, it's not. Um, if you take a look, Rashi, um, Pasuk Hay, right in the beginning, um, Rashi says, Atse Shitim. Okay, now remember that um, they're getting boards that are 10 amas high, which we said is about 10 meters high, right? That's a very, very big tree. They're not, they're not gluing it together, they're looking for something that big. So, the, so Rashi wants to know. Where did they get these trees in the <coughs> desert? Right, where did you get the trees, right? Okay, huh? The acacia, yes. The acacia wood, which is, a, most people say it's a, in the family of cedars, of cedar trees. Um, and one of these is very interesting, just to back up for a second, um, a lot of Mepharshim talk about the idea, like why, like, why does Rashi have to say that they had this with them? Why couldn't he say that there was a forest there or that they cut it down? And because of the language of Hashem saying to Moshe, V'yikhuli truma, take for me, it's implied that they already have it. It's something that they already have on their, in their possession. So gold, silver, we understand, we get it from. And Rashi's like, where did they get the boards from, right? So Rashi says, Perish Rabbi Tanchuma, that Rabbi Tanchuma explains, Yaakov avinu tzafa beruch ha-kodesh, Yaakov our father saw in beruch ha-kodesh, with the Holy Spirit, Shasidin Yisrael livnais mishkan b'medbar. The Jewish people were going to have to build a home for God in the desert. And he brought saplings with him and he planted them in Egypt. Wait, who was this again? Yaakov. Yaakov saw, he brings them from, he brings them from Eretz Yisrael. He plants them in Egypt. And he, and he commands his children that they should take it with them when they leave Egypt. Now, I have never been to Yosemite. Has anybody ever been to Yosemite Park? Yeah, it's my favorite place. Okay. How, how big is a tree that's 200 years old going to be? Crazy. Okay? So Yaakov brings these, these saplings from the land of Israel. In fact, my brother... Uh, I, I, I had a question. My brother said that if you notice in la- at the end of the Chumash, when Yaakov comes down, he stops in Beersheba. Mm-hmm. And my brother, Rabbi Deitch, or Shucky Deitch in Fairfax, Virginia. So uh, he stops in Beersheba. And I think it's the Ramban who says that we know. He's like, why did he stop in Beersheba? Okay. Because remember, Avraham planted an Eishel in Beersheba. And now we know that the translation, we often use Eishel as a place of eating and sleeping, whatever. But if you go to the plain meaning, he planted a tree there that Avraham planted the first acacia tree, the Ateshitim. And he, then Yaakov, is going down to Israel. He uproots what Avraham has planted and brings it with him to Mitzrayim, plants it in Mitzrayim, 
And the Jews know from day one, this is not your home. You don't belong here. You, there will be redemption. There will be a time where we leave. And when we leave, you're going to need these trees with you. So a few things I want to talk about. That's thunder. Yeah, but I wonder. No, you don't have to do it with lightning, but, um, but if you do this one, you don't get to do the lightning one. But I didn't see lightning. Um, Yaakov, so, so, so the Rebbe talks about this Rashi a lot, and he talks about why does Rashi quote who says it? Why does he say Rabbi Tenchuma says it? We know Rashi very often doesn't quote it. He talks about this a lot. We've done this in the class of like how... Um, our forefathers, what's the same something as uh, the I said, yeah, my son is similar yeah. But besides that, look at the word tanhuma. What word do we have in the word tanhuma? Tana? Not tana, nechama. You have nechama. Comfort, which is comfort. So Rashi quotes Rabbi Tanhuma and he says, there is a comfort that Yaakov brings to the people while they are in exile, before they are even enslaved. He says, one day you will leave and you will take these trees and you will build a home for God. And as, the, as I mean, just picture this for a second, like in human terms, as the exile gets worse and worse, they go to Yosemite in Egypt and they look at these, build, they look at these trees that are getting bigger and bigger and they say to themselves, this is not our home. We're going to be out and we're going to build a home for God and we need these trees and that... That it was a physical, tangible thing for them to see and to remember and to be comforted by the fact that this reality that was so real to them and they didn't see an end to it and they were born into it and their children were born into it. They knew, they knew and they had a physical manifestation of the reality that this is all, this is all going to end. This is not going to, this is not our place, this is not who we are, this is not what we are, this is where we are now, we need to get through this, and we're going to build a home for God, and just could you imagine, as they're leading Egypt, just remember that crazy, like, these are happening, like, get the saw, we gotta cut the trees, you know, we gotta take the trees, hello, the Yosef pose is a little thing, the trees, they're massive, crazy, we're gonna take the trees with us, Gabrielle, you had a comment, did they take the saplings, or they took the seeds with them from Arroz? The saplings, right? Because you. It says that he, it says that he he brought Arroz. He brought it looks like it looks from the from the language he brought saplings. Okay. How did he keep them what? I would imagine that people once upon a time knew how to keep things alive better than we do, because <laughs> their lives weren't as disposable as ours, and they had to like make things last and make things work. So. Um, uh, is it to say like the same way the trees were like uprooted, like the Jewish people are also like uprooted from their land? Maybe. I mean, you once you start <laughs> once you start finding comfort in what's going on, yeah. you, the the you know it's endless. It's endless what you could look for. But I think like it's so easy for us to appreciate the fact, like that this physical manifestation of like a really big tree is 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 just such a powerful just so powerful it's just so real it's like oh yeah it's not just oh my bubba told me and my thing it's like no it's real and 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 i'm gonna guess and i don't know this but i'm gonna guess that the that the seedlings these saplings were not uh native to egypt you know and not only that they where did they come from they came from the land of israel well it was the land of crown then but like it didn't come from here it's not like oh we took it and we're like there was always this connection and this hope back to where we really belong. Um, okay. One last thing I'm going to say about the boards. And then we're going to... Guess what? We didn't even get into the Parsha. The Parsha talks about all different things. It doesn't have all the items of the Mishkan. It has... It, it talks about the Ark and everything. We're going to talk... We're going to have another chance to talk about the exact things because this Parsha... Like, these ideas are going to come up again. That's why I'm not so nervous. I want to say one thing about Atzei Shitin. Um... If anybody was learning um, before Yud Shvat, if you were learning the Basi Lugani Maimar, whoever was around then, 
um, we know that the word shitim comes from the word shtus. There's a place of there's there's a place of atzi shitim comes. It's very they're very strong. They're very solid, right? But the place of atzi um, shitim in in the the Rebbe explains in a mimer, it's this place of what is shtus? I mean, shtus is it's like folly. It's like a craziness, right? Um, that there is a place that there's like we know we know that, huh? Sorry, I just say it's so weird that it's sunny out because it's like awful right. thundering. It's thundering, thundering it clear, it just cleared it away. Um, we know that a person does, a person never sins. Elam came nichnas by that you would never sin unless this craziness came over you, like that you thought that this wasn't going to disconnect you from Hashem. Therefore, you would sin if you knew that you were going to be disconnected. You would never do it. And the Rebbe talks about the idea of something called shtus de kedusha, craziness but in a holy space. Mm-hmm. And where do we take that? crazy, oh my gosh, you've got to be crazy to do this, and use it for God. When we can take, I think everybody around this table is proof of that, our lives were going on a trajectory, and it was doing whatever we were doing, and we're like, no, we're going to do the craziest thing, we're going to pick ourselves up, we're going to come to Israel, we're going to learn Torah, we're going to do something different, we're going to live our lives differently, that's just a Kedusha. And that is what the home, the actual Olamayim, the house where Hashem and Moshe, we, where we actually house all the holiness, that's the, that's the protection for it. That place where, in general, we're meant to be like, you know, you know, we just have this, this little bit of thunder over here, right? We talk about like, anybody who's lived in a, in a city or an area that has tropical storms, right? You know, the, the trees that survive are the ones that bend, <coughs> not the ones that hold themselves solid. Huh? Like a little tornado, right? The ones, that, the trees that hold themselves really firm, they'll use, those usually like get knocked over. They're not, that's not the good thing to be. But where do you have to be so strong and so solid? In our roots. Besides in our roots. Uh-huh. But when, we're, when we are the walls that house God, that's where we need to say, I don't bend. I'm going to be crazy and I'm not going to bend. And you can say what you want, you can do what you want, but you can't mess with this. And that's really the walls around the Mishkan. The, these, around the Chatzar, it was all curtains. Around the Mishkan, the first line, like from here to there, it was boards. It was covered with curtains. But they were solid, 10 almost ten big, you know, high boards that said, I'm not moving. And that place of being a little bit crazy for God is really what protects our inner space and our, our space where within this place we can talk about, and we will talk about what the different vessels mean and what they do and blah, 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 but that place of how do I create a space that protects holiness? In that place I'm unyielding, and in that place I'm unbending, and in that place I'm a little bit crazy, in a good way. So I want to give us all a bracha. We're going into this next bunch of weeks where we're talking about building a home for God, um, and really the place that we have to first build it is within ourselves, within our space, you know, within our, our physical space and within our emotional space. Please, God, we'll be here to see a real face on Mikdash. That would be kind of neat. Um, we will, none of us will have any idea what to do, so we will all be learning how to, like, do that whole service situation together. But the first thing that I want to give us a bracha is that we, two things that I want us, if, there's a lot of stuff going on in the parsha, but two things that I'm choosing to focus on this week First of all, is the gold, silver, and copper. How am I bringing that into my service of Hashem? And where am I crazy for God? That atzei shitim, that shtus de kedusha. Where am I holding onto a place that I'm crazy for God and I'm bringing all of my pieces into it? We should have a week of brachas, of simchas, of the craziness of Adar should be manifest in our lives and in our country and in the world at large in the most beautiful, obvious way. Have an awesome rest of the day. Amen.